Heavenly Father, we are truly blessed, as the songwriter wrote. We're blessed, Lord, that we have a God and a Father in heaven who hears us. We're blessed because we have a Savior who redeemed us. We're blessed because we have a faith family where we can share prayers, concerns, joys, sorrows. We're blessed because we have a place to come out of the elements, not only free from government interference, but even encouraged. Thank you, Lord. Help us to never, ever take this for granted. We're thankful, Lord, that we can be back in our, in our sanctuary again. Lord, we're, we want to continue to pray for those that can't be with us. We want to pray for those, Lord, on sickbeds. We want to pray for those who are caring for those on sickbeds. And now, Lord, speak to us out of thy word. Give us insight. Give us direction. If need be, Lord, give us admonition. And we will thank thee for thy mercies and for thy hand in our lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Dear ones, last evening, I was awakened after a dream, and I shared this with the ministering brothers. I don't know what the dream was, but it was stressful. It wasn't a bad dream. It was just like a dream filled with anxiety. It had something to do with church. Don't know. Don't remember the dream other than it was, it was a church kind of function or something, and I was filled with some anxiety, and, and I was trying to go back to sleep, and the Lord brought a hymn to mind, hymn 206, How Blessed Are We Whom God Doth Love. And what I found remarkable, and it might have been like three in the morning, was that I could recite two verses accurately, which my kids will tell you is a miracle, because they say even if I'm reading the music, I put my own words into it. But, but when I woke up this morning and I looked at the hymn, I had the first two verses nailed pretty well. And as I was thinking about that this morning, the Lord said, I want you to preach on that. I want you to preach on how blessed we are because we are loved by God. So I was thinking of a scripture, and I'd like to read Psalm 121. Now, this psalm is very special to me, and as you're finding it, um, on the night of my testimony, there were five of us that gave our testimonies on that same night, and I don't remember who gave their testimony first. My guess is Sister Evelyn would know, but those of us that were downstairs, I know I gave mine last because I was the last to be announced. So there were four of us sitting downstairs in the old church, and we were sitting, if you come in the downstairs door, there was a table right on the right-hand side as you come in the door, and we were sitting there just having some small talk, waiting for our turn to be called upstairs to give our testimony. And Brother Guy hands me a Bible, and he says, just open and read. Whatever Scripture opens, just read it. And this was the Scripture that opened, Psalm 121. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. 
he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Dear ones, think about that scripture being given to us on that night. Think about verse 8. The four of us were sitting there waiting our opportunity to share with some of you how the Lord had called us and redeemed us. And as we're sitting there, we get this verse, and the Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. That's how much God loves us. We don't, and, and maybe, maybe this is also... Um, in my mind, because our Wednesday night Bible studies, we have been, and we've, we've taken a completely different tactic. I have taken a completely different tactic. I, I, wanted to have, I wanted us to have some Bible studies on the character of God. And as I was thinking about that, I remembered a couple times when we've had the privilege in Syracuse of writing camp lessons. And I say privilege, even though I don't think we'd ask for it. But when you, it's one of those things you don't ever ask for, because it's a lot of work. But when you're done, you realize how much more you get out of those lessons because you wrote them. And I, and I remember asking, uh, Mike and Brother Rod were on, the, were on the, 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 the Zoom meeting, and I said, so thinking about when we wrote Bible, uh, the lessons for camp lessons, what, you know, what did you get out of it? And they both said pretty much the same thing. It's one of these experiences where when you have to find the scriptures and you have to defend the scriptures that you've used, you think at it at a completely different level. So what I suggested when we kicked off the Bible study on God is, that rather than the brother leading the study, giving a bunch of scriptures, the people in the study will find the scriptures. So the first night, we just brainstormed anything that God might be. And then since then, we have been filling in, and I've, and I've done it just on a PowerPoint. Okay, what, are you, what references, what scriptures are coming to mind that explain who and what God is? And we've got, I think there's 70, right now, 70 PowerPoint slides some of them aren't even finished yet. We st we've probably got a few more weeks of filling them in. There will, I'm going to guess there will be hundreds of scriptures. And what's wonderful is we're thinking about it. And that's probably why in the middle of the night, last night, when, when for whatever reason my spirit was troubled, and again, I don't think, I don't think the, the dream had any meaning whatsoever other than it just was the devil's way or whatever of troubling me. And God came back and said, you're blessed because I love you. And I want you to think about what it means to be loved by me. And I want you to think about hymn 206. Now, I, there's a few 
organizations I follow on Instagram. One is Revive Our Hearts, which is Nancy Lee DeMoss Walgamuth now, I guess, uh, since she's married. Her, her, um, she has like a radio program, and I follow hers. And, and she has a phrase, um, she refers to praying the scriptures, where you literally meditate on scripture and it becomes part of your prayer. And so this morning as I was thinking about that, I thought, well, what if we took hymns and found the scriptures that back them up? So instead of praying the scriptures, maybe we would scripture the hymns. So I would like to do that with the Lord's help from hymn 206. I don't know if we'll get through it all. We might. Verse 1 of hymn 260. And if you want to pull the hymnal out, please feel free. It's, it's really such a beautiful hymn. And, and, and while you're finding it, let me give you the reason why I think this is a good idea to scripture the hymns. We sing these hymns all the time. But do we really think about what the hymn is saying? And do we verify that what we're hearing in this, or we're reading in the hymn is biblically based? We're just assuming that those brothers and sisters who put the Zion's harp together were students of the word to make sure everything is scriptural. I believe it is, but it would be great for us to work through it. So hymn 206, how blessed are we whom God doth love and of our wants is needful, who as our father from above doth grant all that is needful. What need we more since we have for a father the giver of all good gifts forever. Some scriptures that came to mind. Matthew 6, verses 7 and 8. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they shall be heard of their much speaking. But not ye, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. God loves us so much that not only does he supply all of our needs, but he knows our needs before we even ask. It's, in, you know, and I, I love how, how and, and Mike has referred to something Brother Hunts says a lot, is that if we look back on our life, we see this, this scarlet thread of the Lord working in our lives. The neat thing about that scarlet thread is that it has been worked out before we were born. God knows everything before we even are. Yes, as a, as a father, if you're a father or even a mother, you know that you love it when your children ask good things of you and it's wonderful when we can give them the things that they need. When they're, when they're little tiny beings, they literally need everything from us. As they get older, they're pretty much on their own. And, and for me, I love it when there's some things that I can see where even before they ask, I might sense a need and I might just say, here, imagine how much more God is loving to do that for us. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh within us, unto him 
be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. The only limiting factor to what God can do in our lives is us. Are we limiting him? Are we are we asking big enough things? And let me explain what I mean by that. I'm not asking for temporal things. But are we asking big enough spiritual things of God? As a congregation, are we asking big enough things? What does God have in store for us? as a congregation. Let's ask him. Let's invite him to use us in a way that right now we can't imagine. There are opportunities right now for us. I know there are. We were, you know, we, we, in Bible class, we were talking about the mustard seed and how the kingdom of God is, is likened to a mustard seed that grows. And so I quickly, I quickly, I, I said, I, you know, if we think about how many of us interact with people per day, the average number of personal interactions for a person between the ages of 18 and 60 is 25 per day. And before 18, it decreases, and after 60, it decreases because we're not as engaged in society as much. I'd like to challenge that. I don't think that we should, it shouldn't drop off when we hit 60, because that means I'm on the tail end. I don't think it should drop off when we hit 80. So if that's the case, every one of us has the chance to interact with 25 people. That's opportunity. Let's challenge the Lord. Let's say, Lord, give me the opportunity to share your love tomorrow, today yet, to as many people as we can. And if we share the love, we're sharing the gospel. I'm not talking about preaching to people. I'm talking about sharing God's love in a way that they say, hey, what is it with you? Though we may roam the wide world o'er and have no earthly treasure, our Father's love means so much more than earthly wealth can measure. No fear have we of poverty, for we shall lack in nothing of daily food and clothing. Philippians 4.19 But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God will supply all of our needs. Yesterday I was morning I was driving out to Skinny Atlas to help Jeremy on the house and, and I I love listening to podcasts and I didn't select a podcast, I actually finished a podcast. And my podcast app was still open, so another podcast just happens to, to start playing, and it was about an 18-minute podcast, and so I wasn't going to get it quite finished by the time I got to Jeremy's house, but I got the bulk of it, the gist of it. And Simon Sinek is, is an author. Um, I love the fact that his, 
He refers to himself as an optimist, but his last name is Sinek. But, and he's, he's, if, if you can read some of Simon Sinek's books, amazing books. The guy really gets it. But he was interviewing a hairdresser, a guy who's a hairstylist. And my guess is he's in New York City. But this guy just decided that he needed to give back in some way. So he went somewhere and where there are a bunch of homeless people and he has battery operated clippers and his scissors and his combs and and he said, you know, the first time he, he found this one area, like a bowery of some sort, and he said, I walked up and I was really, I was really apprehensive. I just, I wanted to do something. And he said, I walked around this block three or four times trying to get up the courage to say something to one of these homeless people. And he said, this one man was off by himself and I thought maybe that's the, the safest one because at least there isn't a group of them. And I walked up to the man and I, and I just said to him, I said, hi, how are you? And he goes, how are you? I said, I'm good. He said, I didn't know what to say. So I said, you hungry? He goes, yeah, we're all hungry. That's why we're standing waiting to get into this soup kitchen. And the man said, what are you hungry for? And I forgot what it was he was hungry for. So he said, well, let's go get that. And he walked down the street a couple blocks because he knew where he could, maybe it was like chicken and rice or something like that, and he could buy the man a meal. And then he said to the man, he goes, you know, I'm a, I'm a hairstylist. Would you like me to cut your hair? Sure. Cuts the guy's hair, hands him a mirror so he could see what he looked like. The guy said, man, he said, this is so great. He said, I need to get a job. I want to get a job. But there was no way I was going to be able to get a job looking the way I was looking. He said, I never thought that I was going to try to help get the guy a job. I just wanted to do something good. He talked about another time when he, there was a little homeless kid running around, and he, invi he actually invited the kid into his salon. He saw the kid in front of the window, and he, so he, the kid came in. He says, hey, kid, would you like, or he called the kid, would you like a haircut? The kid comes in, sits down, made no eye contact with him. He said, after I cut his hair, I said, dude, you look like a New Yorker now. And he said the kid just smiled. He's doing what he can. And now he's, some of his activities have gone viral, and apparently there are, there are stylists throughout the world that are now doing this. He's a hairstylist. All our needs are supplied us. What do we have that we can give? How can we, since we're loved so much by this amazing God, what can we do? What can I do? What can you do? He so much for us hath done and gave us as our Savior by grace his own begotten Son, that we may live forever. He who loved us, his children, Thus shall he not aught deny us, all our needs supply us? If he gave, and so the scripture for that one, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, 
but have everlasting life. Why would I question whether God's going to be there when I need him if he's already given me his son? Why should I worry or fear? Why should I stress about things? Why should I let a potential war in the Ukraine stress me out? God gave me his son. He's not going to waste a gift like that and not meet every other need that I have. So, you know, the, the fear, my, my friend outside of Christ, you wonder whether or not you can be faithful. There are those that stand on the threshold of eternal life and will not cross because they are afraid they won't be able to be faithful. Well, Paul said, he that hath begun this good work in you shall complete it or fulfill it. I think that's in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. Why would the God that already sent his son not give you the grace to be faithful? He will. He loved us so much. And I love, you know, and, and there will be, so one of the reasons why, why, I, why I, I wanted us to go through this study of who God is, is because I really believe that there is a, there's, there are a greater and greater percentage of our community are unchurched. They don't know who God is. And I love what Tim said, you know, we all have these buzzwords, this, this, these special terminologies, the jargon that we, that we use, we got to get out of the jargon mode and into the mode of being able to truly explain who God is. So by coming up with these scripture verses and being able to, to remember where they are, not re- I remember once um, when I, I teach, one of my greatest teachers in school said this, he goes, I don't want you to memorize everything. I want you to know where to go to get it. Because he said, there's no way you can memorize everything. Boy, was he right. So I don't think, you know, we, yes, we should absolutely try to memorize as much scripture as possible. Absolutely, because we may not always have this with us. The day may come when we don't. But I believe if that day comes, God will give us a recollection of them. So try to memorize them. But better yet, know where they are. Know where to find them. But there are those that talk about God being harsh, well, John 3.16 says, God loved the world and gave his only begotten son. John 17, John 3.17 says, and I'm going to read it because I don't want to get it wrong. It talks about not, sent not his son to condemn the world. And I, because I, I'll probably get it wrong, just like most of the songs that I sing. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So when somebody says, God, you know, this is a, this is a mean-spirited God that just wants to punish people. No, 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 no. He sent his son that we could be saved. And, it, and even went on to say, and Jesus said, he, I didn't come to condemn. I came to save. Those who will be condemned choose condemnation. They choose condemnation. We may approach his holy face at all times, kneel before him. We may for help in need, for grace, for everything, implore him. 
He hearkens still. He can and will most tenderly endow us. And what we ask, allow us. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but as it was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace where we may, where we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He, though he, God was the one that his chosen people referred to him as he who has no name because they couldn't even call upon his name, says to us, come boldly. Don't, don't stay away. Don't be afraid to bring, <coughs> excuse me, your concerns. Don't be afraid to come and, t- and confess your doubts. Be like that man that said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. All it takes is enough faith to say, God, be merciful to me, sinner. And God does the rest. God gives the grace for us to repent. He gives us the strength to repent. He gives us the power to be, re- to be changed from the inside out. And we get to come boldly to him. In Jesus Christ, the Father's heart is open to receive us. We fly to him with any smart or any troubles to grieve us. There we may rest, secure and blessed, in him from dangers hidden, away from sorrows bidden. So, dear ones, I want us to think about this. What is it? Oh, scripture verse? Because we got to have those. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It doesn't mean that if we're believers, we don't have troubles. It doesn't mean if we're believers, we don't have sorrows. It doesn't mean we don't get sick. It doesn't mean that we don't have loved ones who perish. It doesn't mean that the storms of life won't be raging all around us. What it means is that we're held in the hollow of our Father's hand. What it means is that know that Satan is not allowed to claim us. We will never, ever be tempted above what we're able to bear. And with every temptation, there will always be a way of escape. We need to rest in our Father's arms. There may be times when we just don't think we can. We need to reach out to each other. We need to reach out and ask each other to ask others to pray with us. We need to have people there that maybe we just need somebody to weep with. And in those moments, we will sense the Father's nearness. And sometimes, sometimes we can't even sense it when it's there, but we have to go through it. And we look back and we say, oh my goodness, that had to be God. Because I never could have done that. Think ye 
The near approach of death will make your hearts beat sadly? Ah, no. When come the Father saith, then we turn homeward gladly. It's better there by far than here. We sigh when griefs befall us. Ah, that the Lord would call us. This is so different, and I know I'm running out of time. I might go long. And and those of you that know me know that I don't do that. But this is important. Look at the difference between that thought. Ah, what a blessing it will be to be called home versus those that believe there is some paradise if they will die as a martyr. And their idea of paradise is somehow twisted. This is telling us that as believers... Yes, our lives are wonderful and our lives are blessed. But there is something even more wonderful about being home with our Father. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Isn't that interesting? That God looks at our death as something that is precious because it is a going home where all of a sudden he knows what we don't even know yet that finally Satan has no more hold. He can't, he can't berate us anymore. I, I, my dad shared something with me some years ago, maybe like two years ago. We were, we were driving in a car, and, and, and there was something that he, he said that he wanted me to pray for him about. And he said, you know, I now understand as an old man what Brother Fritz said to me once when I went to visit him before he passed on, where he said, death is the only graduation from the temptations of Satan. Death is the only graduation from the temptations of Satan. And why does God look at our death as precious? Because he realizes we will finally be freed from that and with him. And then uh, 1 Corinthians 2.19, he's referencing Isaiah 64.4. Paul said, But as it is written, Eye hath not seen, nor hath he heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Wow. He loveth us. That is enough to gladden us forever. He loveth us. That is enough, for he is faithful ever. As children, may we day by day to him while we are living, unceasing love be given, be giving. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keeps his commandments to a thousand generations. How blessed are we whom God doth love. May the Lord add his blessing to thee.